hey, girl, let's get together, okay? (laughs) So you might know that I've been planning a conference, and it was supposed to happen October this year. You know, the world fell apart, but we're trying to put that whole back together, right? So the International Black Women Travel Jubilee presents Rally and Rejoice. So this is the premium event for black women travel content creators and digital nomads. And of course, all those who are aspiring. And I'm trying to create something that is easy for you to follow, easy for you to digest and more accessible for you to actually use and implement in your life. I'm trying to split it up. So it'll be Sundays, October 4th, 11th and 18th. October 4th is called The Sojourn. October 11th is called The Voyage. And then October 18th is The Odyssey. Like I said, I just want you to be able to get this information down into you and be able to use it in your journey, wherever you are in your journey. It's designed to help you get your mindset together, as well as practical tools that you'll need along the way. So I'm really excited to welcome you their tickets are currently on sale. And I made this affordable, y'all, because access is really important to me. Community is really important to me. I don't know if if you get those vibes yet. What you can do is just head straight over to ibwtj.ashalbh.com and you'll find more information there on each day and what the speakers will be presenting. I'm really, really excited to share this information with y'all. So you can get more information and copy your early bird tickets at ibwtj.ashalbh.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy naturally. I would say that I wake up every single day and choose to be positive and choose to be gracious and like grateful for the life I do have and what I do, like what I have to work with. Uh, but it's a choice and I, you just have to make the choice every day. And then I just feel like the universe falls into play like that. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Hi, my name is Gabby Beckford. I am from Virginia, I'll say. This is where I've been the longest. I live right now in Fairfax, Virginia, and the name of my business is Pax Light. So, Gabby, Miss Gen Z USA, (laughs) Miss Gen Z all over the world. So that that is the, that's who you rep, you rep, you're on the high end of Gen Z. Um, I think Gen Z stops at 26 as of right now, and you have just reached 24. So what has it been like? Uh, taking a stance for the young travelers. Yes, I am at the high end of Gen Z. I'm like the Gen Z millennial, but I rep it for the young ones. And it's been good. I love seeing my generation develop. Even I think just as as far as a few years back, they were still like, what do we call them? What do we call the young people? 
And we just recently got labeled as Gen Zs and like have taken ownership of that. And it's been really cool. I love, I love my generation, honestly. The Young Travelers Network is actually the name of your Facebook group, right? Yep, that's right. Okay, cool. And you, you've uh, grown that. It's like uh, over 800 now, isn't it? Yeah, I think we just passed 900 yesterday or the day before. Ew. Hey. <laughs> Pandemic numbers. Uh, truly, <laughs> truly, that's exactly it. People are craving travel and we're locked inside. So it's been cool to grow it in that that like you know in this context too um i think the conversations are a lot more fresh and especially young people i think we feel so so lost right now so it's cool to have a community where we're like what's going on and we can all just kind of be in the same state of mind together (laughs) alone together gotta love it right so you were introduced to travel like super early in your life um your first international trip you were four years old hanging out in Paris. That is correct. My mom and dad took us to Paris. I was four, my sister was five, I think. And it was a very interesting trip. All I, all I remember personally is the elevator up the Eiffel Tower and the fact that we both got chicken pox. Chicken pox. <laughs> That's, it's amazing that you remember anything from that, actually. Yeah, yeah, those two bright memories. <laughs> Literally bright <laughs> as those chicken pox bumps everywhere yes yeah my parents god bless them so your mom was actually like a travel agent so you were introduced to a lot of travel opportunities through her it seems like uh well she was a travel agent for um like official travel so like uh like who like the military and like government type people so we didn't we never actually got travel deals as much personally, but through my mom who knew, knew how these systems worked and just through years of experience, she would know when the most expensive flight to XYZ country was. Like that definitely helped us. Um, and with her being a travel agent, she obviously loved to travel. So we were exposed to it at a very young age. She used to have us find our gate in the airport. Like, okay, we got, we're at Seagate, we need to get to D24, go find it. And we would lead her around. Just those types of experiences with her absolutely just threw me into travel so early. And what what kind of environment were you raised in in reference to travel? Military. Uh, my dad was an active duty Marine for 23 years. So I was born in San Diego, California, lived there for two years, moved to Kansas City, Missouri, lived there for two years, moved to Virginia for one year, Japan for three years, Virginia for the 10 years. So that's that's where I went to middle and high school. So most of the context of travel was through the military. Um, and then when we were in those different locations, we'd obviously travel around locally. And yeah, yeah, it was just all. Like, did you feel like it was just a part of your life or was it still something special? It was just a part of my life. It was, I had nothing to contrast it to two, to think it was unusual, an unusual way to live. And of course, being surrounded by other military kids, everyone moves every few years. So everyone has a best friend for where you live right now. Whenever you ask them where you're from, everyone's like, oh God, here's the story. It, that was just so normal. So being stationary for middle and high school was the weird part. <laughs> Not moving becomes the weird part. Yes. It was so weird to me that people had friends of 10 years or friends since kindergarten. I'm like, ugh, why? And now I'm like, oh, maybe that's that actually normal. 
<laughs> Have you uh, kept in touch with a lot of the people that you met along the way? Hmm. No. And that's only because social media didn't come around until I was in middle school. So, I mean, I mean, by the end of middle school. So there are a few people that I still think of. It's so funny. I think of this um, girl named Shamima who I met on a cruise once and she actually found me on Facebook. Um, we went on a cruise when I was, oh my gosh, 11 or 12. And she found me actually recently on Facebook within the last year or so. So that's funny. But social media was not around back then when I was doing most of my childhood traveling. So it was hard to keep people in mind. And even the, the state of mind, it was just like, oh, we're here for a certain amount of time. You make friends with who's around. And then we all know we're all going. <laughs> just like uh, the relationships that are just bound to fall apart. And it's just like, I'm here for a good time, not a long time, sweetheart. Okay? Exactly. Relationships of circumstance. I mean, I think that sometimes it's jarring for people to realize that their relationships were of circumstance and not have the travel part looped into there. Yeah, I actually think that I benefited from acknowledging that pretty early on. It's like no hard feelings, but, um, and I think if we had social media, we definitely would have kept in touch, but it was okay to be like, hey, we're not going to be friends forever, but let's be friends in this moment. And that's, Sorry, this isn't travel related, but relationships are really hard to navigate for anybody, especially in travel. And I, I think I actually wrote a post about this, um, a blog post, like how, how how to navigate relationships that won't last, especially when you're traveling. I you you know when you're going up that mountain and you meet the the other girl who's your age, and you're like, oh well, we'll just go up together, and you just become best friends for that three day period, and you both have your travel plans afterwards. So you're like, wow, I guess this is it. Like we're not. This was just best friends for this hike, huh? And it's just a weird thing to navigate. But growing up in that, I'm like, that's I'm, that's what I'm used to. So I'm totally at peace with this was so cool. Let's cherish this memory for what it was. But at least social media, you can, you can stay in touch that way. Do you think that that impacts your ability to have like long lasting relationships now? No, I think that makes me appreciate them even more. Um, I don't, I think expectations are something that everyone grapples with. And so being able to manage mine and be like, you can't, we can't force this to be what it's not going to be. So like, let's just enjoy it for what it is. And like, I think the more lax you are with your expectations and, and longevity of things, the more they tend to last actually. So I feel like just by being chill and going with the flow, um, and just giving it my all and letting what's going to happen happen makes a lot of my relationships really long-term now. I think it's only benefited me. And you know, the ones that fall, or not fall apart, but just kind of age out, I guess, or just season, sizzle out, that's totally okay too. And I think having grace about that lets the opportunity for them to spark back up again in the future. Like it leaves, leaves room for that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I think that... I think that as well, it is difficult often to understand what level of commitment, I suppose, or what the needs of another person um, are and to see if it's something that you're interested in filling and how long you're interested in filling that and if they're mutually interested in filling your needs. It's, it's all very interesting. Yeah. I do love human psychology. I, and that's why I wrote that article. When you're traveling, especially, you just kind of are exposed to those types of deep 
fundamental questions and you're like, wow, I never would have had to think about this if I worked at the office doing accounting, but travel just brings these questions out of you. <laughs> Speaking of like psychology, you had written about the information gap and the mind's desire to fill that gap. And you wrote it specifically in relation to being perceived as racially ambiguous, how people from mm. any country will think you're from another country that you're not from. But the people from that country would never say that you're from that country. They, they just know you're not. Um, but it <laughs> seems like something that you've, you've also had to navigate a bit um, coming from a mixed race background though it seems that you claim you use the title of Black for yourself. You call yourself Black. Yeah, I do. And navigating race in the U.S. is definitely one thing. Um, navigating race in so many different contexts across the world is so, it's so interesting. It's, yeah, it's very complex to talk about race when like, I don't know, globally outside of the United States and inside of the United States, because I feel like we have such a weird climate about it in general, not just now. Um, but yes, I am uh, multiracial. My mom is, let's just say she's white. My dad, let's just say he's black. And I came out kind of this like Latina, Afro-Latina kind of looking <laughs> person. So I get confused for so many things. If I'm in the southeast of the U.S. where I live, I get um, Dominican and Puerto Rican a lot, which is fine. I wish I spoke Spanish so I could just kind of like be like, yeah, sure, but I don't. <laughs> but I don't. See, mm -hmm. sí. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, damn it. So, um, and then if when I lived in Dubai, I got um, they have a lot of I immigrants from Brazil actually, uh, Brazil, and I got Moroccan a lot, Egyptian a lot, just because those were the light brown of that region. So whatever region I'm in, they just kind of choose the light brown around them and they're like, that's probably you, right? And it's very interesting um, what you get called. But if I told people in the US that, yeah, people think I look Egyptian, they they laugh because they're like, Ooh, wow, why would they guess that? And it, yeah, the cultural relative relativity of race. Oh my gosh, it's interesting. But yes, I do claim black um, because I'm racially ambiguous when I straighten my hair and when I, um, I don't, I don't know what I do wear makeup. I don't know what, what, what some people perceive me as racially ambiguous. Um, usually outside of the U S in the U S people are so quick to be like, girl, you're black. Don't try to be anything but black. You're black. And I accept, um, and embrace being called a black woman because that's how I see myself. I also claim to be multiracial, but in the U S it's a lot more black and white, no pun intended. Whereas outside of the U.S., it seems it's like a lot more flexible to to be many things. So on the one hand, it's like you say, that's kind of the most boring conversation that you have. But on the other hand, it seems like something that you've had to navigate. Um, you were talking about specifically. So there was a change I saw, like looking at your Instagram. You know, you have a lot of happy photos, a lot of colorful photos. Mm -hmm. um, of you in all these gorgeous locations, sometimes with people. And there was a point around October 2018 where you started to get a bit more personal. Um, yeah, you started to get more personal. And you were talking about 
being racially ambiguous. You were talking about being post-grad. You were talking about wanting support uh, and to create an environment of support around uh, content creators, essentially, or anybody, anybody with a business, it seemed like. It's just like you look up from your work and like see the other people who are walking alongside you and support them as well. Um, and then like you were talking about having a job and navigating PTO and like that not vibing with your spirit. <laughs> like why am I spending my day earning money so that I can't spend it on travel when I want? I don't, it's not adding up. Um, yeah. And you also got into going to the uh, conference and I can't remember the name of it, but it brought up your hair trauma story. So it, it oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about like being with your Jamaican father and like having trauma around not understanding how to do your hair or straight hair being seen as the goal, and it's like you had never worn your hair its normal or natural texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My dad is Jamaican, and I've been to Jamaica a few times just on like vacations. But even he won't take us to, like, quote-unquote, real Jamaica, like, outside of the resorts. I think because he's like, girl, we made it to the U.S. We live a stable life. Why would I go back, like, to the struggle parts? I'm like, okay, I guess. Um, Whereas I personally would like to see more of it. But uh, from what he's told me and what my grandparents have told me is that relaxers and perms are casual. They're just everyone has them or or braids and and wearing your natural texture um like just curly out was not something that he grew up with and he left Jamaica when he was 12 so i think he had just enough time to like have those childhood perceptions of race and beauty and then came to the US like to New York uh to Jamaica Queens so i think that was his idea of what I don't know not of what's beautiful but like what's what's manageable and what's standard so I don't think he relaxed my hair because he hated my curly hair but I think he did it because it was quote-unquote easier for everyone involved just because he I mean he was a single father for a lot of my childhood like from when I was in middle school and above so like working full-time and trying to manage these two kids and me and my sister were a little crazy and like I think giving us relaxers was just easier but the side effect of that was that I had just never seen my curly hair texture so when it started to grow out whenever the relaxer started to grow out I was like oh god it's so curly oh my god it's gonna be so unmanageable like if I ever let it grow out it would just be this beast that I can't control and I just never let it grow out until I went to Dubai and I w- did not know where to get a relaxer in Dubai or I, maybe I just didn't want to. Maybe I was just finally excited to not get a relaxer. So it grew out gross. It was like two inches of growth and then like scraggly wavy hair. <laughs> it looked so crazy. Um, but yeah, after that, I came back to the US and I just let it grow out and now I'm completely natural and Um, I don't have, I really don't blame my dad or anyone else who gave their kids relaxers in that time period because they, I was seeing a lot of 
black people around me getting relaxers and they just didn't have the knowledge. I think even if my dad did want to ask like, oh, what, what were the, what are the mental side effects of making sure your daughter never knows what she actually looks like? I don't think he had the resources to get that answer. <laughs> yeah, you don't come across as a blame kind of person, but even with that, it contributed, you said to like your sense of identity and like your self-love that you were able to foster. Um, you also like wrote, I believe it was a separate uh, post about how you wish you had like a concrete place that you came from, or maybe not wish you had, but like you loved to see people who had that. Yeah. And it seems like there's that cultural gap that's missing for you. So when you went to the hair conference, you were like, oh my God, sisters, finally. But <laughs> like on on average, it's like you were talking about people that come from Ghana and it's like, well, I, I don't think it was specifically Ghana, but like using that as an example, there's the food, there's the music and there's just how they live their day-to-day life that's rooted mm. so much in culture. And it seems like you were reaching for that, that that wasn't accessible to you yeah, I definitely, I don't think I aspire, I don't, it's interesting. It's, it's, I think I, in that article um, about Curlfest, I, I did love Curlfest, but I think it wasn't that I felt slighted because I didn't have that. It was, it's an in, interesting observation to make that people have that foundation that they can just refer back to. Like you had said, like, I'm Guyanese. Like I'm, I'm from Ghana. I'm Guyanese. Like you just know there's like an entire history behind that. And I do feel like I'm that third culture kid, which is a term I hadn't heard of until um, recent years that I'm multiple cultures and I wasn't, I don't claim to be like San Diegan. I'm not a West coaster. I can't say I'm an East coaster. I can't say I'm really Jamaican. I can't really say I'm white. Like what, what am I? But there's a lot of freedom in that too, which I think I mentioned in the same article that I have the blessing to be able to have proximity to cultures that I've never experienced just because of how I look and by my like flexibility with my own identity. Like when I was in Dubai and people said I looked Moroccan, I'm like, okay, but it made me look more into Moroccan culture and seek out Moroccan friends. And they're like, okay, like, okay, you like, oh, your your dad's name is Hassan. Like, that's an Arabic name. Like, maybe you have some roots that you don't even know about. And it made me find out that 30% of um, Africans brought over during the trans- transatlantic slave trade were actually Muslim. And who knows how many how many cultural roots in Islam are here in the U.S. Like the, just these little bits of proximity lead down roads that I could never have imagined for myself. And not having a quote unquote culture lets me be free to to explore these without limitations. I really enjoy that part of it. But there is, as you brought up, the Okay, we're gonna we're we're Ghanaian, so we eat this food for Christmas. We we're we're this, so we do that 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 kind of assumption or stability. Yeah, I don't have that, but I've never had that, so it's not like I know what I'm missing out on, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, honey, I ain't never had access to good health care. Well, I can't say I can't say that, but I just wanted to 
poo-poo on America real quick because <laughs> that's that's a part of my brand. No, but um, I don't know. Just because like you haven't really experienced something doesn't mean that it's not the tea. You know, it's not all the good feels and and stuff. Like you said, it can be it it can be limiting as well, right? Yeah. Oh, we do that because this is who we are versus you not having that and being able to create your own life, which it seems like you're very much into. Yes, I am. And that's exactly it. There are pros and cons to both. But with my lifestyle, like what I want out of life, how I find joy in life, I like the flexibility and freedom of not being limited or or perceived to be limited because of a label. And that's the thing too, is I, I feel like it's, sad when people are like oh you're this so you can't do that oh you're this culture we don't do that like i never had any of those because girl what is there it's like a blank it's like a question mark so you can't tell me what i can and can't do because <laughs> you don't even know uh so yeah there's that element of it too and can i ask about your relationship with your mom uh we live together now love her <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what what is something really amazing that your mother has given you uh, in terms of like life skills or just um, helping you to be strong in who you are? Yeah, my mom is definitely the best person ever. She is such a pure heart. You know, those pure people who just never have a malicious bone in their body and could never say or do anything uh, to hurt someone without being like so apologetic like they're just she's such the, she's the purest person ever so she hmm, what has she given to me patience and grace she's definitely the best at forgiving and that's something that is just so cool to see um, so she's given me I think a solid moral foundation where I just know I, I just can be around my mom and know that she would never ever ever do anything to like upset me or hurt me so that stability is so awesome she's incredible what has it been like so since you identify with black how does your mother manage having a black daughter or two at that um she doesn't pretty damn well honestly she never told us that we had to get relaxers she knows how to cornrow she knows how to braid she listens to uh she she's the one who it's so funny my dad would listen to creed and like bon jovi in the car my mom was blasting missy elliott and like all all the 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 90s hip-hop like that's my mom so my mom has just been 100% ever accepting and loving of whoever we are and whoever we want to be. I've never felt like, oh, well, you know, I have a white mom, so this is the, this is the, the cards that I've been dealt. Like, she wouldn't understand because you're white. Like, she is the best at listening and letting me express myself and speak. And I really... I would say growing up, it was interesting how I never perceived race until maybe I was in elementary school, like until I hit those formative years, like 
six, seven, because my mom was white and my dad was black, but that was just never maybe brought up in our home. It was just, and especially I think because we travel so much, we encountered so many races um, at so many times. Both of my parents had black and white friends. Both of my parents had Asian friends. Like it was just everybody all the time. And we moved so much. Race was just not something that was set as a, like a limiting factor of like, oh, well, that's because they're white. That's because they're black. That was not something that ever came out of either of my parents' mouth. So I think they've both done a great job in seeing, helping us see people as people and like see people for their actions. And society is what has brought race as like the number one factor in perceiving somebody. Sometimes um, parents, black parents have to have like this conversation with their children. Uh, and it's a conversation they don't want to necessarily have, but just about how their children might be perceived in the world. So I understand like how exposed you were to mm -hmm. so many different cultures, especially, you know, traveling and so forth and moving um, in like the atmosphere your mom and your dad created. But did they, did they ever touch that subject? Has it ever, has there ever been a moment where you felt like you were perceived as a black woman and you felt an experience was happening because of that, not necessarily negative or positive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, growing up, both of my parents were perceived as babysitters of me or like, oh, you're watching someone else's kid. Like no one ever recognized either of my parents as my parents, especially my mom. They'd be like, oh, whose kid is that? And if I had like a white friend come over and we would go out into the mall, they'd be like, oh, this is your daughter, so who's she? And I'm like, no, I'm the daughter. They're like, oh, like that happened all the time, but it was reduced to like ignorance and like, why do, why do people make assumptions so quickly um, and not like, oh yeah, just another time where I'm black and she's white. We're so different. We're so like, I just had never had that mindset about it. Um, so yeah, it happened all the time, but it was just something that I perceived as People are so lazy and people are so ignorant and not like, wow, people are racist and like being different, being different races is such a negative thing. Um, yeah, no. And we had conversations about race, but just not in my early, early childhood. And every conversation about race was about really back to the same thing about how people are lazy and ignorant. And that's the root of racism and not because my curly hair or my darker skin is like a negative thing. It's just like people are literally lazy. They don't want to educate themselves and people are just ignorant. And if more people went to public schools and had to read more books, they'd probably be less racist. That's what everything was reduced down to. Hey girl, let's get together. Okay. <laughs> so you might know that I've been planning a conference and it was supposed to happen October this year. You know, the world fell apart, but we trying to put that whole back together, right? So the International Black Women Travel Jubilee presents Rally and Rejoice. So this is the premium event for black women travel content creators and digital nomads. And of course, all those who are aspiring. And I'm trying to create something that is easy for you to follow, easy for you to digest and more accessible for you to actually use and implement in your life. I'm trying to split it up. So it'll be Sundays, October 4th, 11th and 18th. 
October 4th is called the Sojourn. October 11th is called the Voyage. And then October 18th is the Odyssey. Like I said, I just want you to be able to get this information down into you and be able to use it in your journey, wherever you are in your journey. It's designed to help you get your mindset together, as well as practical tools that you'll need along the way. So I'm really excited to welcome you there. Tickets are currently on sale. And I made this affordable, y'all, because access is really important to me. Community is really important to me. I don't know if if you get those vibes yet. What you can do is just head straight over to ibwtj.ashalbh.com. And you'll find more information there on each day and what the speakers will be presenting. I'm really, really excited to share this information with y'all. So you can get more information and cop your early bird tickets at ibwtj.ashalbh.com. Speaking of education, so you earned a degree in mathematics back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and you went on like the job that you quit earlier this year. Uh, was an engineering job. So how has that journey been? Um, in the past few months since quitting my job, it's been interesting only because of the pandemic. Um, actually, business has been okay financially, like viability-wise, business is doing just fine. But I don't think anyone could have foreseen an actual global pandemic <laughs> coming like a week after I quit my job. So just the pandemic has been interesting to navigate, but business has been good. And I, you already brought up my post from when I was in my full-time job. I liked the work, but I didn't like the time expectation. I just never sit right with me how I could be doing my work and my boss would be like, hey, can you drop what you're doing and work on this? I'm like, I was, no, and, but you can't say no. So I didn't never really sat right with me. So I love being my own boss. (laughs) I love making my own schedule and being the master of my own fate in that way. But it seemed like you kind of had that approach already because you created so many opportunities for yourself. Uh, You mentioned Dubai, I think that was 2016 and you did a study abroad program there Mm -hmm. and you got it totally funded. Like it seemed like uh, from accommodation to food to even a couple drinks here and there, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so it seemed like you were you were already um, kind of building that. And then it, you not only did that for yourself, you have made it your business to help other people get these opportunities so that they're able to travel as well. Uh, you also went to South, was it South Korea? Just last mm-hmm. December or January? Uh, 2019. Yeah, this past January. Which, who could have foreseen? Yeah, when I was looking back, I was like, oh, she's so optimistic. Little does she know. 2020 is about to pull the rug from from underneath all of us. Um, So I'm so optimistic, though. That's the gag. (laughs) You really are. Like, so you talk a little bit about, like, seasonal depression and, like, not wanting to do another winter. And so, like, you did a road trip and you're looking to possibly do something else. But like overall, like it doesn't, you talk about like, hey, there are some lows guys, but like, that's just not your focus, it seems like. Yeah, 
yeah, there's always, if it wasn't this pandemic, it would be something else. I mean, well, not at this scale, actually, this pandemic's pretty bad, but there's always a negative in, in life. And it, yeah, it really, on like a, on a metaphorical basis, not saying that something would be as deadly and like terrible as this pandemic, but there's always something. And if you focus on that something forever, you just never get to reach your highest potential or highest highest with what you're capable of or how good life can be if you're always it's like you go get an olympic medal and your sleeve is torn you're like man there's always something my freaking sleeve's torn all the pictures are gonna have my sleeves torn in it this is so humiliating i hate it or you could just focus on the olympic medal you just won and realize that this sleeve tor- being torn has has absolutely no long-term effect on you and at the end of the day you still have an olympic medal like it the same exact scenario, just perceived in two different ways. And if you go down one of either of those paths, you spiral. So I'd always just rather spiral with positivity than waste my time on things that I can't control that are negative. Because like I said, there's always going to be something. And if you can't control it, then what are we like? Where is the energy going? What is that for? So that it's just it, to me, it's common sense. Um, and it's not easy naturally. I would say that I wake up every single day and choose to be positive and choose to be gracious and like grateful for the life I do have and what I do, like what I have to work with. Uh, but it's a choice and I, you just have to make the choice every day. And then I just feel like the universe falls into play with that. So you had mentioned my study abroad. I had no intentions of studying abroad that year. I was just going to graduate actually a semester early at 20 and then go find a job and hope for the best. But something that summer, like the, uh, I was at my engineering internship and I just Googled, let's just look for scholarships. Like, you know, I love scholarships. Like, let's just see travel and scholarships. And I happened to find that scholarship that fit me perfectly. And it just basically in the description said, Gabby Beckford, you're an idiot if you don't apply to this. I was like, all right, that's specific. So I just, for fun, was like, let me just apply to it and see where it goes. Next thing you know, I'm in Dubai for a year. And I just, the more I follow my intuition, it seems to work out. So that led to me being like, okay, well, I know that I can live abroad and make it work no matter the situation. So I got my two, year, my two years in my engineering job and was like, I just don't have to live like this. I will figure it out. And I knew I would. And that's why I just committed to building my blog during it. I'm like, something's going to happen. Something's going to come up where I know it's going to be intuitively the right time. And Valentine's Day of this year, my lease was ending. Um, summer was coming up. My friend in Bali had this like apartment open up. And I was like, this is it. This is the sign. The stars are aligning. Let, let's do this. So I quit my job. And I went on one press trip. And I came back. And I was like, all right, booking that flight. And then a pandemic. But it, I still am like, okay, keep pushing until the next sign. And then so many signs have happened since then. Even in the pandemic, I've had partnerships with brands I never would have had partnerships with before because of the pandemic. Like people couldn't adjust or pivot like I could or have the creative creativity like I could to talk about travel in the pandemic. So that's what got me work. And, and, do, and just Black Lives Matter came out, of, I think, as a result of this pandemic, too, with just the stresses that our society has been under. And even talking about race in that context has led to the Black Travel Alliance, which I'm so passionate about and I think we've needed for so long. But it wouldn't, come, wouldn't have come up without the Black Lives Matter movement in May and June. And 
without the pandemic. And just these things are just meant to happen how they're supposed to happen. So why am I trying to fight that? Like, let me just go with it. But that's also very much like part of your brand. So the Pax Light is like um, spiritual or mentally and physically. Like you just don't believe in caring a lot. You think that Mm. the things that you choose to carry should bring you positivity and empowerment. Um, You're like team carry on, just like, (laughs) yeah. So I, I could see that very much like, but it, what's interesting to me is the way you talk. You're like energy, intuition, and like the universe, and like the right moment. But you put in work. <laughs> like you, so I do. <laughs> there's this post that you did. Uh, so blessed, she stressed. So you talk about article pitches, brand negotiations, speaking opportunities, travel ops, and contests, and product pitches, um, and like seeking all these opportunities. You talk about the systems that you use. The ops tracker that you opportunity tracker that you created that's available in your uh, store now on your shop now to where you you like Sunday you have all these drafts ready to be sent out Monday morning Um, Mm. so it's it's a very interesting marriage of like that intention you say like the the law of attraction stuff just hit you I think last year like that. I, yeah. But it seemed like you were already very much doing that. Yeah. I think that's why it resonated because I was like, oh, this is what I've been doing. This is the name for it. I didn't even know there was a name. And yeah, it's like you said, I just have lived this mindset for so long and I do put a lot of work into it. And I think that's where people get confused is like, they think I'm just at home meditating and like, mentally drawing in the energy of the universe and making it work for me like go get me in the new york times go get me in the new york times girl no it (laughs) like i you need that intention and i think that's a good way of putting it everything i do is very intentional but the work definitely has to be there um in the back end and i just put out so much i think work is energy i think i learned that in like sixth grade science class like work is energy so i just work, 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 work. And with intention, like knowing my end goal, not how I'm going to get there, but knowing what I want and just having, I don't know, scientifically, like if you like, what is that called? It's called a vector. When you have um, direction and magnitude, it's like a science term, but a vector has direction and magnitude. And I just have the magnitude. I have the work and I don't have the direction, but I have the end point. So like, it's just going to get there eventually. And that's just how, that's the mindset to which I live my life is with work and intention you're just going to get there. So you can't miss out on either one. You can't work with no intention because you're never going to get anywhere, right? You'll just like keep spinning in a circle, like an old, like a, a canoe with one oar, like just spinning in a circle. Uh, and you can't have, mag- uh, well, no, intention with no work because you're never going to go anywhere. You need both of them. But with both of them consistently and like positively, you just can do anything. And you've been this way for like years. So I was looking like at your first post back from December 2015 on your Instagram specifically. Oh my God. (laughs) Do you remember what the picture is? No. (laughs) Um, It was a family trip to Bavaria, December 30th, 2015. You might have, you know, archived some stuff, but that's the one that I saw anyway. No, I never arcade anything. Anything that's up there is embarrassing and real, like a little trust scrapbook. I don't know if it's embarrassing because all them thirst traps you got and then your little 
know, creative ways to stay fit while on the run, packing eggs and apples and, and carrying boiled eggs and apples. Hey. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure like it, everything has uh, timed very well for you. <laughs> Content wise, like you've stayed true to your brand because everything, it, it just looks super professional from the beginning. And that's a long time, you know, that's five years of you posting with intention. All of your captions like lead to your blog. All of your captions like have really great engagement. Like people seem to really gravitate toward not just the photo, but like what you're saying. Cause they could just like the photo and move on, but they're actually commenting and having the conversations that you wanna have. Uh, so it's really interesting to see that in the longevity of it all. Um, first of, but and to, and to have been so young, you know, this is five years ago. So you were what, 18? Yeah, yeah, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, and to have that that ability to communicate, to have to have a message at that point, and not just be posting thirst traps because you could have done that too. You know, <laughs> that's obviously that's not all you post. Um, a lot of your posts are so gorgeous. It seems like you have just like a really good eye for architecture and landscapes. You know, um, mountains and water and even just like off the balcony, like I can't go outside because I got work to do, but I'll take a picture of this gorgeous view I set myself up with, um, just like in your hotel room. Uh, it just, yeah, it all just, you seem to have been together the whole time. Uh, my mom always says that I was born like this. Like, I mean, she actually says I was born with an attitude problem. But she says I was bored with an opinion and like a, a, a viewpoint on life since I was a kid. Like, I think I talk about that in my TED talk where my mom asked me or someone asked me, I remember actually being in a hairdresser in a hair salon. They're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And somehow everyone in the salon was listening to me and I was like, I want to be Barbie. And they're like, oh, that's nice. Like, why do you want to be Barbie? And I was like, I want to be Barbie because she gets to do whatever she wants. She gets to wake up and be an astronaut. She gets to wake up and be a horse trainer. She gets to wake up and drive her sports car and just be happy and be Barbie. And I still want to be Barbie. <laughs> At 25, I still want to be Barbie because that I've had, yeah, I've just, I was just born like this. I have no idea how else to say that, that I've always been born with a point of view. I was going to ask you, like, where did that come from? So it doesn't seem like you got a whole lot of that from your parents. Not from the way you talk. You said you saw your mom. You saw your mom as Barbie a little bit, you know, how she got to do the things that she was doing with her life, how she was creating and living her life. But, yeah, it's so your sister is nothing like that then. No. Nope. Yeah. Even my parents, if I... I wish my mom was here. I'd pull her onto this and I'd be like, do you think that I got any of this from you? My, my dad would say the same thing. Nope. You did. I don't know where you got this from, but it was not from either of us. Um, I, yeah, my sister is um, a lot more. She just bought a house actually. It's so, so awesome. Um, she just bought a house and she's like getting a roommate and she works in, I think she works in programming right now. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, girl, we just need to have lives, man. We're, we're just running around. And she she just, uh, she actually was a travel agent for five years, too. She just switched jobs. 
Um, so that's why I'm like, wait, what does she do? Uh, but no, we are completely opposite. And my even my mom's like, how how are you guys so different? How are you so different from us? I I do feel like in some ways I've always been the black sheep of my family, but not in a negative way. Just like, how did she get here? And I'm like, girl, how did I get here? I have no idea. Have you had like mentors along the way? Um, along the collective way, no. And that's also very weird. I I'm very. I have had, I will, I'll say I have had mentors um, in blogging specifically. I sought out a lot of mentors and I have a lot of mentors right now with my business and um, with my blog, but like mentally mentors, no. I, like I said, I've always been born with a point of view and it's just really navigating that point of view and, and finding out the essence of what I believe in and how I want to live my life. So I've read a lot of books. I don't know if you know what Accelerated Reader is, but I was always that kid with like the 500 gold star. She read 500 books this semester. Where does she find the time? I've always been infinitely curious. And I always tell this to my followers too. I had the, um, I had the AC guy come over in the last month because our AC was broken and he's like fixing it. He's like, oh, this drain was clogged. And I, and I talked about this with my followers. I'm like, I think most people would be like, okay, please fix it. And like, I'll sign by. But for me, I was standing there like, oh, so how did it get clogged? How do I make sure it doesn't get clogged again? Oh, so if, could I do this if you weren't here? Like if it gets clogged again, do, like, do I need to call you or could I do it myself? And he's like, oh, you're really interested in HVAC systems, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Girl, no, I'm interested in saving this bill. Can I do it or not? <laughs> I'm like, if I can do it, why would I call you? And I've always just been like that. I'm like, I'm self-sufficient. If I can learn on my own, then I don't have to call you. And yeah, that's been, I think, to my detriment too, is that I'm like, I've, I'm sure I can do it. My mom, my mom will tell you. But my my first words to her were, "I do it, I do it." Can I can I help you tie your shoe, Gabrielle? I'm like, no, I can do it, and it's just one big knot. She's like, you didn't even you don't know how to. I'm like, but it's tied somehow. Like that's just who I am. Also, like, have you are you a big uh, course investor? Like, do you seek out courses? Like, how have you learned the skills that you've needed in order to? seek out travel opportunities in order to build your own website and your app, your ops tracker. Like, I think my general answer to this is that everything's on YouTube, like technical skills, but most of these skills that you're talking about, like seeking and applying for applications and opportunities, um, building a website that's user friendly and like navigatable and marketing yourself to people and building a community. These are all like psychology topics. These are like all psychology aspects of life. So just by understanding how people think, I feel like anyone could do these things. I just don't put limiting things on it. Like, oh, how did you learn uh, marketing and PR? Did you take a class on it? No, I just am very observant and, and I'm very, I, like I, like you see, I put in the work, right? I'll AB test till I die. I, I just figure out as I go along. So I never took a single marketing or PR class in my life um, until this year. I think I took one of those, like, you know how everything went free for the pandemic, like the online classes. I think I took a data analytics class that had some marketing in it, but I've never taken a marketing class in my life. I have a math degree. 
Um, I have never taken a WordPress class in my life. I just logged on and started clicking around and now I built my own website. I've actually built five websites um, for other people as a service. It's just, I've, I just figure things out. That's just, I don't know how to explain it. I just think that so many things tie together and, and when you limit them to marketing or blogging or, or scholarship applications, like really they have so much to do with each other. You just have to use that knowledge amongst all of them. It's like you Google and all these sources come up and it's just like, mm-hmm. this isn't what I'm looking for or this doesn't yeah. have the opportunities that I'm looking for. I think most people just don't have the time I have because your girl's going to look on every single link on the first page of Google. And that's maybe that's it too. It's just my mindset. If I find something that's remotely close and it says, oh, this is XYZ grant, guess what I'm going to do? Email them. Hi, I'm actually looking for this. Yours is kind of similar, but not exactly what I'm looking for. Like, can you clarify on your grant? Or if this isn't what I'm looking for, you're in the grant world. Do you know anyone else I can contact or any other similar grants? And guess what? Most people know. Most people have them. Like, I'm not afraid to call up the CEO of Coca-Cola and be like, hi, so what's in this? Like, I, I, like, life is too short. I'll be calling people. I'll be emailing random people. I will find someone on LinkedIn and ask them. Like, I, I'm not saying that it's easy, but I have the time. And I don't think a lot of people have the time. People, people go on the first page of Google and get frustrated and they're like, see, nothing's on Google. I can't figure it out. Nothing's there. Well, <laughs> that's exactly the voice they used to. Right? And I practice that. <laughs> I practice that. But I'm on the 10th page of Google till I find what I find. Like, if I want something bad enough, there's nothing in the world that can stop me. So I just don't think a lot of people have that mindset. Speaking of mindset, August 2019, you wrote, freedom isn't free. It usually takes the sacrifice and prior prioritization, which is simple, but not easy. You can shave your head, quit your job, sell your car, and move to Cambodia right now. <laughs> Back then. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you technically can. Cambodia is taking people, but you just have to like pay $3 million up front for health insurance or something, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. And I, that's so, I'm like, girl, where are you finding this stuff? Because I'm like, who said that? Me? Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like me, but that sounds good. I said that. <laughs> who do I that to? Me? I said that? That's so funny. But I still think it's true. And things are simple, but they're not easy. And I say that, I do, I used to say that all the time. I'm going to start saying that again. Thank you. Because... <laughs> The thing it's out there, right? You know the information's out there. You see other people doing it. You could reach out to Homegirl who got the grant that you wanted to get, but what's stopping you? Uh, like ego, pride, um, fear, just so many things. And I just I I don't I see those things, but I don't let them stop me. I'll experience fear and still do something. I'll still help Homegirl and be like, hey girl, you won this grant. If I win this grant, it takes away nothing from you. Can you give the give me the information? And I think people would be shocked how often other people are open to helping them and giving them information. Um, I know I am. Maybe I, that's why I'm not shocked because obviously I share opportunities for free every single week on my website and my membership. Like I, it takes nothing away from me to see other people shine and win. So I think by having that mentality, when I approach other people, maybe they can just like sense that on me, like that 
this is a good vibe interaction. I don't know. <laughs> but things are simple. <laughs> so can we can we expect coaching from you in the near future? Yeah, I do. I have I coach my 365 members in my membership. I have like one-on-one coaching sessions with them. We have accountability meetings every single month. Um, mindset coaching is something that I'm interested in, but I'm really hesitant to officially say that I want to get into because it's a double-edged sword, right? Like I, I call it delusional confidence. That was the topic of my TED talk, but people who are super negative and like just not even remotely close to like the positive vibes, like bad vibes kill me. So I'll be like, like sometimes I just want to say get over it. And that's not really what people want to hear when they pay for coaching. So maybe I still have to <laughs> mature my, my mindset model to be accommodating of all mindsets. Cause I'm, I'm just go, 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 go. And sometimes when people are like, uh, there, I just comes to mind. There's one girl who always DMs me is like, Hey, can you let me know how you did this or where you got this? I'm like, yeah, girl, of course, here you go. Here's all the information. Best of luck. And she'll hit me up three weeks later and be like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I didn't do any of what you told me to do. I didn't even open the link. And I just, I don't know how you got to where you are. I'm like, well, first of all, I opened the link. So I don't, I don't know how to coach you through that. Like, I like, ah! sometimes it frustrates me so much how people can be so negative and, and not have the vibes. So maybe, maybe one day coaching. Mm, I would love to see the reviews from people. <laughs> I tell them, I tell them, <laughs> I call myself the cheerleader slash like pusher because I ain't gonna let you sit there and have all these ideas and not put them into practice. Like if you're around me, you're going to be moving. And I actually, you can see the reviews from my, um, my interns. I have interns this summer and I posted a few of their reviews. One of them I just posted on my Instagram feed as a static post. And she is one of my hardest working interns. She's so, so dedicated. And she's just like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but please let me try something. And she, through her work at the internship, she's gotten into her first choice university. She's actually skipped a year because they were so impressed with the work that she's been doing with me and uh, me helping build her own blog. They saw it and they're like, holy crap, you are so ahead. And they helped her skip a year. So people who put in the work see the results and and they love it. Um, and I was just talking to you, I, I had all my interns do like a midway assessment. We're halfway through the, through the internship mentorship and all of like, literally every single one is positive. Literally every, every single one is like, I didn't believe in myself in the beginning and I just didn't know what this was going to entail, but just your attitude and, and the delusional confidence you give us has just led me to talk to my mom about something that I have never been able to bring up or apply to this program that I never would have imagined I'd get into like. It just in all aspects of your life being just living the tagline. I always tell them that seek risk, seize opportunity, see the world. That's it. All right. So talk to us a little bit about when you do run into those, those tough spots, when you run into your challenges, what is your process like for getting back to yourself, getting back to your, your positivity brand, your empowerment brand? Um, I Beyonce it. I pretty much Beyonce it. She, she says that she allows 24 hours for her to be like down about something and cry about it and lay in bed about it 24 hours. And then like, that's, 
that's it. Like we need, life goes on, right? So I just have to think, is this serving me to be in this mindset? Like to be down and out, I'm very, I don't know, maybe I'm very analytical and logical, but to be down and out is an emotional response. And I think we need to acknowledge and respect our emotions and let them happen and not ignore them, but like let, like embrace them, but just not forever to the point where it's debilitating. So I'll cry it out and then I'll think like, is this serving me? Do I still need to cry? And if I do, I will. But maybe at that, there are some points where I just am trying to be like lazy and I'm like, no, I still need to cry about it. And I'm like, no, you don't girl. You're, you're over it. You just don't want to do the work. I'm like, okay, yeah, baby. Um, so I'm just, I don't know, brutally honest with myself and very self-aware about how I'm feeling physically and emotionally and it's just more fun to be positive and it's more fun to be happy. So I try to choose to be happy as often as possible. Um, yeah. And I maybe I just, the law of attraction stuff too, I just know that negativity begets more negativity and like you just, I just don't want to feed into it. So as soon as possible, I'll just try to switch it around. All right, let me watch. Um, what's my favorite movie? I don't even know. Mulan. I'll just put on Mulan. Have a glass of wine. Just you know, get into a good vibe. It really is about the energy you surround yourself with. Let me put some Destiny's Child on and have some fun, and you'd just be so surprised how quickly your emotions bounce back if you let them. Um. So I wanted to ask you, Gabby. I wanted to ask you if you have any hobbies or interests that aren't about making money. Um. I do love to travel. To actually travel. So I would say that um, I love wildlife. Like I'm heavy into wildlife documentaries. It's still part of my dream to work as a wildlife vet for like a month in one of those training programs they have that costs $10 billion. I would love to do that. I love animals and yeah, I love reading and people ask me like, especially like, dating people are like what do you do what are your hobbies what do you do and uh and the answer is that i like in a normal world i used to love to look up airbnb experiences to do around my town and just do something different every single week like i flew a plane one weekend <laughs> like you can just fly a plane for 50 bucks on groupon and they teach you how to fly a plane so i flew a plane the next day i learned how to make sushi at an airbnb experience like uh, that's that's my hobby is is still kind of traveling, just doing something different every single day. Have you ever been through therapy? No, not paid for therapy, but I read a lot of books. (laughs) (laughs) I've been through book therapy. So like, yeah, basically. It's cheaper and I don't have to introduce myself to someone. I mean, I would go to therapy and I've actually been thinking about it because I don't think there's any harm in going to therapy, even quote unquote, like super happy people. I'm sure there are always things that we can learn about ourselves and therapy is just talking. So I would, I just don't think I need it right now. But would you mind sharing your self-care practices? Self-care? In what way? Like at home, my my face masks? (laughs) Uh, Self-care means different things to different people. Um, Sometimes it's just about how you make space for yourself to be versus the things that you do. And people are really creative with that. Um, 
I feel like I've been talking about my self-care a lot in this conversation is just having those conversations with myself when I need to and putting on Mulan with wine. And there are days where I, if I don't have a busy schedule, I'll just sleep in super long or I ordered fondue for dinner two nights ago. Like, I guess that's self-care. I don't, I, yeah, I, I, I've said this many times. I just don't see, um, things as black and white or like, oh, this is self-care and this isn't. I just live my life very self-aware of what I need in that moment. Like food, emotionally, like I'll just, my life is self-care, I guess, at the lifestyle of self-care. And is there like a particular way when you're traveling that you like to explore? Um, before every trip, I'll make an outline of things that I think I want to do that, you know, from Instagram or from Google or from someone else's itinerary, which sounds good, then I'll get there and try to find a local, like maybe the hotel staff or maybe some guy who works at the coffee shop and just ask him what he thinks about the itinerary or ask her what she thinks about the itinerary. And they usually give me more tips. And then I see what I want to do that day. And that's why I love solo travels because I don't have to compromise on what I want to do. Maybe I have plans to go hike a mountain in the morning and then I wake up and I'm like, it's just, no, it's not going to happen. I'll just try that again tomorrow and I'll sleep in. So I just have a rough outline and see what each day gives me. And do you have any song lyrics or a poem that speaks to you these days? Um, I, I don't know if it's a poem, but there's a quote that I always love. And I swear I'm going to get it tattooed on me one day if I ever find the balls. Um, it's by Albert Camus, and it's originally in French. And it's, in the depths of winter, I found there was in myself an infinite summer. And that's, yeah, just TM. That's the Gabby brand. I live by that. And how do you like to celebrate? Yeah. Do you do anything in particular, like when there's something you want to celebrate and it could just be like every day, not necessarily like a big moment or achievement. How do I celebrate? I got a really big partnership yesterday and I'm like in a pandemic. Hey. And it was like the the best, not the best, but I'd say the biggest partnership I've had to date. And I instantly just wanted to order fondue, but the fondue place was closed. So now I have to order it today. So I guess, I treat myself with food or I call my best friend. Maybe I should have said that. Ignore the, <laughs> ignore the fondue. I call my friends and let them know. And we all celebrate together. If they know I said fondue over them, they would like laugh. That's hilarious. And I always like to, um, and I always like to make space Gabby for guests to share how listeners can best support your work. Ah, that's awesome. Uh, yes, if you would be interested in supporting the Paxlight mission, then you can subscribe to our email list. It's on the homepage of my website, paxlight.com, P-A-C-K-S-L-I-G-H-T, Paxlight. And I usually talk to my email list once a week. Um, or you can follow my Instagram where I'm much more candid and sometimes I post 
funny stories that are like super candid. And if you want to get super duper involved and get some of this delusional confidence coaching, then you can join my 365 membership. And that's just a monthly membership where we talk about all things opportunity and confidence and seeking risk, seizing experience and seeing the world. So that's at paxlight.com slash 365. And there's like a little video that explains more. So yeah, if you want to support, find me. It's not that hard. Like on Twitter, even just DM me and I'm happy to, to talk about how people can, can join the club. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and energy and your perspective and your Gen Z magic, Gen Z magic. So uh, thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself, Gabby. Thank you. Thank you for holding this place for, for black women to laugh and share their stories and, and connect with other women. I love this. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, we'll see you on the internet streets and I will link um, all of those places in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon, Gabby. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.